Please be seated, and it's great to see you on Pentecost Sunday. Yes! We've got a call and response section over here, and they are the mustard seed of what's to come. Um, so, turn to Acts 2, and um, let's look at the first day of Pentecost. My first job, my first paid job, was on a crop farm. We grew peaches, we grew vegetables, uh, and we grew apples. During harvest time, everything was full. The whole farm was full when it came down to harvest time. The peach trees were filled with peaches during harvest time. The apple trees were filled with apples. The vegetable plants were, were full, and it was frustrating for me. I wanted to, like, get through the row, but every time I put my hand back in the plant, it was like it, it touched another ripe vegetable for me to pluck. My baskets were full. The, the bushels were full. Everything was full, and in fact... The farm itself was fulfilling its purpose. There was a fullness to what was happening on the farm. Now, the day of Pentecost is a harvest festival. That's originally when Pentecost happened. The Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost filled God's people. And then as a result, God's people fulfilled their mission in the world. And as a result of that, uh, God's glory filled the earth. And he did so through the humble. And so there's just this sense of fullness and harvest time and everything that you've been working towards, everything that God has planted, everything that he's promised coming to fruition. Would you like fullness in your life? Would you be, like to be like that fruitful tree, that fruitful plant, bearing fruit exactly as God designed you to? And then for those of you who are part of Emmanuel Anglican, would you like Emmanuel Anglican Emmanuel Anglican, to be like a fruitful tree, to fulfill her purpose, that everything that God has put on our heart, everything that he's designed for us to do would be fulfilled. His kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. This is the Pentecost reality that we're entering into today. And um, the fullness of our life begins here. So let's look at um, the Holy Spirit filling God's gathered people. In the first few verses of Acts 2, uh, the Holy Spirit filling God's gathered people. Reading verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled, all of them, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here in these uh, first few verses, we see two realities being brought together, which have always stayed together ever since. The first reality is the unified people of God who were all together in one place. They were gathered. They were unified. All their leadership issues had been worked out before this time. They had three years of preparation for this time, and here they were, gathered together and unified. Along with that is the unmistakable power of God, coming together and meeting God's gathered, unified people. Um, so here we have a gathering of real people in one room. They shared one purpose. They had been winnowed down 
to the group of people who shared one purpose. And they're not only sharing one purpose, they're sharing God's will together. This isn't self-will. This isn't a uh, sort of what we might call a political action group, um, though those exist and those are fine. This is something unique and special, which is gathered unity from the gathered people of God who themselves want to fulfill their calling in their time. They want to do what God has asked them to do, and they're praying for that, and they're open to that. God's heart is to give his spirit to the gathered, unified community of Jesus. He wants to build up the church. That's why he sends his spirit to his bride. He wants her to find her voice. It's true that the Holy Spirit fills individuals. He anoints individuals. He helps each individual Christian uh, fulfill their life calling. Yet even this individual filling is linked with the fulfilling of God's people. You cannot separate those two things. Let's think about how trees operate, how trees flourish. On the surface, trees look like individual beings, don't they? They look like just something that, you know, you're going to flourish on your own or you're going to wither on your own. Yet there's a German forester named Peter Wollemann, and if you know German, you could pronounce that, you know, correctly. Peter Wollemann found that beneath the surface, trees depend on one another. In his book, The Hidden Life of Trees, Wollemann writes this, the most astonishing things about trees is how social they are. A tree can only be as strong as the forest that surrounds it. When trees grow together, nutrients and water can be optimally divided among them so that each tree can grow into the best tree it can be. The reason trees share food and communicate is that they need each other. It takes a forest to create a microclimate suitable for tree growth and sustenance. And he ends with this, so it's not surprising that isolated trees have far shorter lives than those connected together in forests. Trees need each other to flourish in the forest. God's people need each other to flourish in the Holy Spirit. It is still true. In the last year, since COVID restrictions have meant that we have not been able to gather as normal, did you at times feel this? Did you feel the flip side of this? That without the gathering of God's people, it became more difficult to operate in the Holy Spirit. It became more difficult to connect with God, to pray, to worship, to fulfill your call. My dear friends, you need the church. I need the church. We need the gathered people of God. Not everyone is ready. It's not safe for everyone to gather. But for many of us, it is. And it is time not only to gather every once in a while, but to gather every week to relearn the habit of gathering together, receiving the Holy Spirit together, and walking with Christ together. We are not meant to do this alone anymore. The church needs your presence. Your presence matters here. Your weaknesses matter here. Your sufferings matter here. Your testimony matters here. We glean off of it. And the Holy Spirit is 
bonding us together once again. So if you are safely able to do so, I want to plead with you to return to Emmanuel Anglican Church in person. Worship with us again week after week. So the power of God's spirit met the unified people of God. And it's remarkable. It's beautiful. Um, The Holy Spirit took on power in three different forms. There was a sound like wind, and it filled the entire room, verse 2. And then divided tongues like fire rested on every single head of every person, verse 3. And then there was the ability to speak the gospel in all the foreign languages represented in Jerusalem at that time. And the known world was represented in Jerusalem at that time. That was a lot of foreign languages. There's the fullness. The Holy Spirit's power is filling every pocket of that room. It's thick with the presence of God. Those who have lived in times of revival speak about a thickness and a fullness to the presence of God. That when you walk in the room, you know the other person. You know that the person of God is present. He's active. He's there. Now, the Holy Spirit is always present with his people. There is a way that the Holy Spirit can be made known. It's a gift from the Father in a way that is remarkable, is unique, and that is full. And then he rested on every head. He gave utterance for every language. He filled every heart. He filled every mouth. The Holy Spirit came in power and filled every individual person and every pocket of that room until they could do nothing else but overflow. They were like those bushels filled with peaches, like there's just too many. You put one on and the peaches start rolling off to the consternation of the farmhands trying to get the job done. They overflowed. They overflowed with love. They overflowed with miraculous witness. The Holy Spirit came on God's unified people and he filled them. And then look what happened next. Secondly, God's people fulfilled their mission in the world. Um, Jesus told his disciples to wait um, in the city, to go into the city and wait until you receive power from on high. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And his promise came to pass. They received the Holy Spirit and they took, took that first crucial step of mission in Jerusalem. I bet they didn't expect it to be filled with the globe as it was. Maybe they thought that, well, we'll reach the other languages much, much later. They didn't know that the nations would all be represented in Jerusalem at that time. Nevertheless, verse five, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And Luke is speaking here of every nation known to that in that time. And at this sound, the multitude came together And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed. They were astonished. They were saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And then the list of nations um, represented are, are listed there. By the way, wasn't that an awesome reading? I loved the languages represented in that reading. giving us just a taste of how God brings incredible honor to every nation and culture and race represented on this earth while also giving them a great sense of unity. And isn't that what we all need? That sense of our culture is being honored and yet at the same time, we're being bound together with other cultures around something 
that is worth gathering us, which is the beauty and goodness and truth of who God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is. Holy Spirit came, the apostles spoke. They spoke, and they spoke other languages, languages that they had not spoken before that time. If you put yourself in their situation, how uncomfortable it would have been to be a cultural bridge on the spot and to speak in a language that you just don't know. Nevertheless, they did speak. They ventured on God after waiting on God. Um, And they spoke with complete fluency, not dragging their feet, not shutting it down. They fulfilled God's will for them. There's a phrase that Bishop Stewart uses that I found to be helpful in describing the dynamic between God's power and our obedience. And that is, God does everything, we do something. God does everything. I mean, he fills the room. He fills our, our, uh, he fills our mouths. He, he operates. He gave his son to die for us. He sent his spirit uh, to, to carry on his mission in the world. God does everything. We do something. We say yes. We step in. We obey. And we do something impossible by God's power. Has God asked you or has he asked our church to do something that feels impossible? It just feels out of reach, out of touch, can't do it. Has he asked um, you to do something that feels insurmountable? Let's talk a little bit about our church. He's asked us to lift high the Son of God in the city of Chicago, that all would be drawn to him. And that was an image and a prayer given to our church eight plus years ago as we prayed about what he was doing through a New Anglican church in Chicago. Now, a key way that that happens, a key way that the Son of God is lifted high, that all would be drawn to him in Chicago, is through evangelism. It's through being a witness of the gospel. Like the earliest apostles, we are sent with a mission to make the gospel known everywhere we go. Um, do you, some of you have caught this calling, but, but you're just, there's still a part of you that doubts. Do you want to bear witness to Jesus like the apostles did? speaking the native language and culture of your unchurched. Um, This is an opportunity for us to do what the apostles did, to do something, to operate in the power of God, beginning with prayer and then venturing on God. What about for those of you in the last year, your call to bridge cultures has been clarified and you want to see the gospel bridge the divide between races and cultures and bring healing on the other end of division. Begin with prayer and then venture on God when he makes a way forward. Would you like to see the Lord provide Emmanuel Anglican Church with a spiritual beacon home in Chicago? Would you like to see that? Begin with prayer and then venture on God when he makes a way. We are in a different era of history than the apostles, but we are still in the harvest of Pentecost. And the power of God is still available. It's still present. It's still being made known. Our mission will be fulfilled. The apostles' mission was fulfilled. They were far from perfect. They were far from prepared. Their mission was fulfilled. There were setbacks, and yet there was also miracles and dreams and the Holy Spirit giving them a way forward. So let us pray and venture on God to fulfill our own mission. St. Paul says in one of his letters, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church 
and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's still true. Now, when the church fulfills her mission, politeness goes out the window, okay? It's provocative when the church fulfills her mission. If you think about the responses to the church fulfilling her mission on the first day of Pentecost, starting in verse 5, they are listed as the multitude came together. Okay, so there's some buzz, but they were bewildered, and they were amazed, and they were astonished, and they asked the question, how is it that we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God? Verse 12, they were amazed. They were perplexed. They said to one another, what, did this, what does this mean? And then verse 13, some decided to move into mockery. They're filled with new wine. There's a tremendous temptation when the Holy Spirit begins to move through his church to begin to get caught up in how people see us. Do they think we're really special? Maybe we're the ones that, that can begin to, to, to brag and to take up and soak up all of the attention. Um, or maybe we move into defensive mode and get really sort of like into reputation management and uh, trying to answer every charge and making sure that every misunderstanding is cleared up. People try to make it about you when God fulfills his mission in the church. They try to make it about us. It's not about us. It's about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in the world. It's not about how amazing we are. It's not about whether or not we're drunk when we speak in tongues. It's so tempting to get caught up in that. And it's, it's, worth, it's a waste of time. So, just as the aim of the Holy Spirit is always for God to be glorified and Jesus to be exalted, this is what is happening on the day of Pentecost. God is being exalted. Um, God is being glorified. The church is not being um, sort of like justified in the eyes of men. They will remain a scandal. And the church remains a scandal today. God's glory is meant to fill the earth, and he does so by filling the humble. I want to, this is our, our third point about the Holy Spirit filling, um, the Holy Spirit fills God's gathered people who then fulfill her mission, and then God's glory fills the earth. Um, notice how the Apostle Peter, who struggled at times with bragging, he did, he made it about himself a lot, um, but in this text, we see him operating in the Holy Spirit, and he really makes it about God. He makes it about God's mission. He makes it about God's spirit. He makes it about God's promises. And so he responds to the amazement and the jeering um, with a straightforward, God-glorifying quoting of Scripture. Um, he says in verse 14, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. And that's, he's talking about, it's, it's only nine o'clock. Now in Chicago, um, but in that day, people did not get drunk at 9 a.m. Um, so he quickly addresses it, but then he moves, he moves to God. He says in verse 16, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, 
and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter is quoting Joel. And Joel is helping us see that before the day of the Lord comes, before everything is revealed, there's a moment of salvation available to the humble. And this is God's glory. Before his glory is sealed and completed, before all the earth, every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, there is a moment, a merciful moment, that has extended to today. May 23rd, 2021, before the day of the Lord, that great and magnificent day, his spirit is being poured out and his glory is being known through the humble. Um, So the Holy Spirit is not interested in correcting our reputations in the eyes of people. He's interested in glorifying the Father and the Son and filling people who are ready to join him in that. So notice um, who is filled. It is the sons. It is the daughters. It is the young men. It is the old men. It is the male servants and female servants who receive the Holy Spirit. Um, Maybe you feel unworthy in some ways of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Too young. Too old. Or you feel like maybe you've let God down somehow too much. The primary qualification for receiving the Holy Spirit is humility. Humbling yourself before God, not claiming to deserve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift, and the Father gives the Spirit to raise up the humble. He opposes the proud. Pride is the primary way, one of the primary ways, that we resist the Holy Spirit, that we make it Um, incompatible um, for us to operate in the Holy Spirit. Um, So this is something that Peter wants us to know. Very specific truth about God's glory is that he loves to make his glory known by filling the humble with his Holy Spirit. By filling the male servants, the female servants, the the old, the young. Think about uh, when Jesus was born. Who was privy to that uh, declaration? Who got to be a part of that amazing holy moment? It was the lowly shepherds. And here on the day of Pentecost, it's the unschooled Galileans who have no business speaking in the language of the globe. Think about Mary, the teenage mother, who everyone thought that she was, um, you know, a loose woman. She, they thought that you know, she, has, she, she should not be carrying the Son of God. This is probably a baby um, conceived out of wedlock. People still believe that when Jesus was a grown man in his ministry. It is those who admit their spiritual poverty who receive the Holy Spirit, like Mary, like the shepherds, like the unschooled Galileans. 
Here's what Charles Spurgeon told his London congregation in the year 1891. Christ does not act as an earthly monarch might. He reckons it to be his glory for the poorest pair of eyes that ever wept to look by faith on him. He reckons it to be his greatest honor for the poorest man, the poorest woman, or the poorest child that ever lived to see him in the light which the Holy Spirit sets him. Is this not a blessed truth? The Holy Spirit, you see, glorifies Christ by showing him to sinners, poor sinners, lowly sinners. God is glorified in all the earth to the lowliest of the earth. This is part of the fullness of Pentecost. This is coming to fruition. It's those who are humble enough to call upon the name of the Lord who are saved. I just want to ask, is there anything in the last 14 months for you that has highlighted your own sense of spiritual poverty? The isolation, the conflicts, the anxiety, the coping mechanisms that became addictions. Has your life become empty? Has it become barren? You have a fear that maybe your life will not reach its fullness. Call on the name of the Lord. Come in humility. Uh, None of us have any merit to claim that we deserve the Holy Spirit, but all of us can come as children. All of us can come um, with our poverty and say, I need you actually to come to my poverty, to come to my need, to come to my lack and fill me. Um, Call on the name of the Lord. He can help you. He can save you. He can fill you. He can deliver you. He can pour out his spirit on your life. If you're not yet a Christian or if you've been far from God, ask the Father to fill you with his Holy Spirit and bring freedom to your soul, bring fullness, bring that harvest to your life. He will give you a new heart and a new spirit. There are those here today who feel alienated from the people of God, alienated from the church. You don't trust the church after a year of tumult. You don't trust the church after the actions of some of her leaders. There's hurt and there's pain and there's sadness behind that sense of alienation, behind that diminished trust is pain. And the Holy Spirit can help you grieve in that, uh, grieve that pain in community. It can't happen on your own and it can't happen with all, without the Holy Spirit. So let this be your way back. Ask the Holy Spirit to enter that sense of alienation and pain and help you grieve. If you're a youth, you've been on my heart this week. You can be given purpose for your life and direction for your life by devoting it to God's glory. Just bring what you have and say, Jesus, I want you to give me that same sense of fullness, completion, and harvest um, that you gave to your first disciples, and he will give your life purpose. He will fill you with his spirit. If you've had a terrible year, give the entire thing to Jesus. If you had a terrible year, give the entire thing to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to build your life back up. Ask him to take your rubble and your mess and build a beautiful temple with it. Ask him to make you whole. Ask him to make you holy. And in Jesus' name, he will do it. How is the Lord inviting you to humble yourself before him? His great and magnificent day has been delayed. It's been mercifully delayed. 
so that we can give the last 14 months to him completely, so that we can give our life to him completely, so that we can call on the name of the Lord and be saved, to be delivered from oppression, to be delivered from addiction, to be delivered from living a life that is inward focused, to be delivered from a fruitless life, a pointless life, I want to invite you to open yourself to the Holy Spirit for the rest of the service. We're actually going to celebrate um, activities that the Holy Spirit has promised to meet us in, baptism and the Eucharist. Um, ask the Lord to meet you in this. I believe that he is present here and he's ready to meet us all however we need him to. The promise of Pentecost is the promise of fulfillment and fullness and harvest. And the Holy Spirit is here to give us fullness in Christ's life and your life and the life of the church. So we pray, Father of light, from whom every good gift comes, send your Holy Spirit into our lives with the power of a mighty wind and by the flame of your wisdom. Open the horizons of our minds, loosen our tongues to sing your praise in words beyond the power of speech. For without your Holy Spirit, we could never raise our voices in words of peace, or announce the truth that Jesus is Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.